So last night I lived every man's nightmare as I had to defrost the freezer. Or as Lisa calls it, foreplay. You do know she listens to this fucking show, dude. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I feel that it's very one-sided to a nightmare franchise. And this is, this is a head-to-head. So let's give you a Halloween one. Um, I'm excited for Halloween ends to finally repair the damage done in Halloween Kills. Because we'll finally have Michael deliver the lines that I love him for. Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? Do oh I? Oh, my God. Get a little bit of off. gasoline. <laughs> I'm going to make it burn. I'm going to make it burn. Let's go. You are now listening to the You Run podcast. The only horror movie review podcast completely run and controlled. Not by me and Mark, your hosts. But by you, our listeners. Hey, Scoob. We're on the radio, bro. You want to die tonight? Zoinks. <laughs> You choose the movies. You score them. You review them. You do it all. Because after all, this is not our show. This is your show. I'm your number one fan, Mr. Man! It's not perfect. It has its problems. The You Run Podcast. It was just weird. I don't know. I guess like a weird thought. The You Run Podcast. Bitch, you better not forget about me. Don't you ever forget about me. Hey! This is Naomi Grossman, best known as Tucker from American Horror Story. Hi, it's Imitation Dave. You son of a bitch. Just make sure you fucking listen. This was fucking incredible. He's the one you need to blame. Get a little bit of gasoline. I'm gonna make it burn. 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 Hello, welcome to the E-Run Podcast. My name is Scott. My name is Mark. Uh, now, first things first, before we do anything else, uh, we've had a couple of messages come through from um, a listener over on TikTok. Um, Mark, I think these are both from both for you. They're definitely not for me. These are for you. Um, really? And these, yeah. What have I done now? Uh, you'll find out in a minute. So these come from the Miller Jimenez crew, um, a girl called Rebecca. Um, uh, uh, yeah, 100% they are for you. So let me let me just find them and I'll, I'll bring them up. Are you ready? You didn't realize the Halloween 4 episode is already out. Why are people still messaging me? Uh, this is kind of a callback to a previous episode we've done. And I'm not going to say which one. I'm just going to play you the messages. So um, so here we go. I'm diving into a new podcast and I see my favorite everything ever. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And then it's them shredding it the whole time. Hey, do you know who I'm talking to yet? You run podcasts. <laughs> Put some respect on Buffy. That became the series that defined my entire personality and life. Okay? And many other people. It is the best TV show of all time. And it was spawned from that movie. Okay? Yeah, the writers are kind of goofy. But it's of that era. Early 90s shit was weird and fucking goofy even when they were trying to be serious they didn't know what the fuck they were doing and let them do it all right all right love you though <laughs> what was her name apologies what's her name uh it's rebecca and she rebecca. is on tiktok and she is the miller jimenez crew which is the miller uh I can't remember how to spell it. I will put it. I'll put a link in the bio to it. But it's yes. the Miller Jimenez crew. Uh, well, Rebecca, thank you, thank you ever so much for listening to the show. We really, really appreciate your feedback. But 
That being said, you have basically just listed everything wrong with that entire film and then expected me to apologise for it. See, I'm, I'm glad you went there because because um, Rebecca's not done. So, oh, no. Re- <laughs> so Rebecca sent another message shortly afterwards, which is this one. And you know what? I even rewatched it last night to really make sure that I'm solid in my feelings, that this is a good movie and it's a product of his era. And it is. It's supposed to be Clueless Vibes. Dude, they're in L.A., California. Um, are you understanding the 90s there? What everything was? How ridiculous and goofy everything was? Yeah, it's supposed to be like that. And also, 90s cheerleaders coming from a former cheerleader herself. That's how cheerleading was actually done. It wasn't the competitive sport that we see nowadays. If you're talking about cheerleading for a basketball game, that's how they do it. They're not throwing people in there. They're not tumbling. That's how it's done. I've done it. Yeah. I still love you guys, though. Okay. <laughs> I love how she signs off so politely every single time. You are awesome, Rebecca. Thank you ever so much for contacting us. But, again... It is a product of the 90s, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's good. The 90s was dog shit. I grew up in the 90s. I lived the 90s. It is awful. It's an awful period in time. I would like to. For some reason or another, I don't know why it's coming full circle again. People seem to be dressing in the same sort of fashion sense and everything that was. I would like to stamp my heels down now and say, I do. Mark does not speak for the entire You Run podcast. (laughs) I fucking love the 90s. (laughs) I love the 90s. I love the 90s. And I know how atrocious the 90s is. But just because it's a product of its time doesn't make it good. 90s horror, for all it has its shining moments, the content and the volume of content is very minimal in the 90s in comparison to every other era that the horror genre has seen. And that is for a very good reason. Um, do, do, do you want me to bail you out of the hole you're digging in and we'll just move on with the show, or do you want to keep digging? I kind of feel like I want to keep digging, but I feel like it's in my best interest if we just move along. I I, th- I think it's in your best interest, not mine, yours. <laughs> if, I, if I dig you out of this hole now, we just we rock on. So that's Yeah, and I don't do. want to give any more time to Buffy's Vampire Slayer either, so let's do this. Come on. Buffy rocks. Anyway, um, (laughs) uh, this is the last time you're going to hear from us this season. If this is your first time listening, we are a horror movie review show completely run and controlled by you. You pick the movies, you review the movies, you even score the movies. Normally, we tackle a single movie, and this is how it works. There's a movie, we review it, we score it, you review it, you score it. End of the show. Thanks very much. Come next week. You have joined a super special bonus episode. This is our franchise head-to-head. Now, not only is this a special bonus episode, but it completely embodies the idea of the You Run podcast because this episode idea was the suggestion of a listener. So this was suggested to us by an account on Instagram called Mr. Tazzy. Now, Mr. Tazzy was joining us today, um, but Mr. Tazzy had some audio issues that were kind of hard to work with he had some real issues getting on and getting with us um and unfortunately he's not going to be here which for you as listeners is fucking awesome because that means there is absolutely nobody to referee and keep me and mark from each other's throats for the entire episode this is going to get nasty i feel like i just want to put a disclaimer out there right now and just say regardless of what is said me and scott are actually friends um 
Well, no, come on, dude. Don't do this to me. I've literally gone out on a limb now and said that we're friends. Are you just going to shut me down like that? No, 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 no. I won't. We are, we are friends. We are friends, and we, we, we will remain friends, especially after a Nightmare on Elm Street has slain Halloween. Um, yeah, we all but, know that's not going to happen. Yeah, but before we get there and before we dive into the the full scale row that is going to follow, um, I think we should do something that Mark does brilliantly and i absolutely love which is his recommended account of the week it's that time of the week it's time for mark to recommend an account i don't know why i went to the strictly music then (laughs) that's staying in Right, so this week's recommended account is an account called All Data Lost Bookstore. Um, I really enjoy this account, and they post some incredible content. I say that content being loosely, they basically post the stuff that they're selling. Um, Brief backstory on how I came to find this account. I am in desperate search for a copy of the original Halloween novelization. I have scoured eBay, Etsy, here, there, and everywhere. This shit is very expensive and very hard to find, so I'm constantly on the lookout for it. Anybody who owns a copy and they would be willing to either donate it or sell it to me, I'll be very grateful for it. However, or that aside... <laughs> Yeah. No, I don't want a photocopy. I can get it. I can get the <laughs> audio version of Amazon, but I want a physical for my collection and I can't find it anywhere. So I've been scouring the net and I came across this account called All Data Lost Bookstore. This account is basically it's a store that specializes in novelizations of horror films. So you have book versions of all the greatest horror films that we've come to know and love, such as Predator, Halloween series. They sell quite a lot of them, unfortunately, not the one that I'm currently looking for. You've got The Thing, you've got Fog, you've got Clive Barker's Hellbound Heart, but it's done. I say all these things that I know are already novelizations or are adaptations before they became a film, but yeah, these are the versions of said book that come out after the film's release. So you've got got copies of Stephen King's The Running Man, but it's got the copy of Arnie on the front of it as opposed to the original Running Man sort of cover. You've got Jaws, etc., and so on and so on. I mean, you know the drill by now. This is a book. It's a bookstore that basically specializes in novelizations of popular horror films. Which is really, really cool. cool. Yeah. And if you're into novelizations of horror films like most people are, because they tend to usually be different to the film you've watched or have a different take or et cetera, et cetera. This is worth checking out. This is by far the, the most superior one I've come across on the internet. Um, so this is all data lost bookstores. And that is all data lost books, all one word, no spaces, no symbols or anything like that check them out show them some love these guys are great and if you are on the lookout for something like i am this is probably a very good place to start with that search because nine times out of ten they will probably have that i just know that the one particular book i'm trying to find is very very rare to get hold of and very very expensive and also while i'm on a plea at the moment um we recently did our halloween four episode and i spoke about the novelization of that I'm also on the lookout for that because I'm desperate to read about a 10-foot Michael Myers. So if anybody has a copy of that as well, that would also be greatly appreciated. 
I love the fact that you're starting a franchise head-to-head where you're saying that it's really hard to get hold of Halloween stuff because they didn't make enough because there wasn't enough call for it. No, anyway. they did make enough. Everyone's just collecting <laughs> it because it's a commodity. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on. So as I said, we were going to be joined by Mr. Tazzy today. He can't be here. Um, go and follow his account. It's Mr. Underscore Tazzy. Uh, go and show him some love because he will be on the show at some point in the future. We polled numerous franchises. We put Hellraiser, Child's Play, Candyman, Friday the 13th. But we all know this was only going to go one way. Everyone who listens week in, week out knows that my favourite franchise is A Nightmare on Elm Street. They know that Mark's favourite franchise is Halloween. And you're all bad people. That's why those two won. Because you wanted to see me and Mark go at it. Um, 100% yeah I definitely didn't see these two coming out yet. I thought Friday the 13th would have been the superior one not necessarily in terms of popularity but I thought this would have been the one where we would have had either a Nightmare on Elm Street Friday the 13th or Halloween and Friday the 13th um, yeah but our, li- our listeners are like sadistic this. they're sadistic yeah, they definitely are. yeah and uh, Let's be honest, you're going to get what you wanted. So uh, we're going to pit them against each other. Uh, There's going to be lots of laughs. There is going to be a conclusion to this where we're going to find out that A Nightmare on Elm Street is better. We're going to be grading them in. I love the fact you hear you let that go. I don't need to, mate. I can just sit here and just let it all slide because we all know deep down what the true outcome of this is going to be. Okay, You can dig your digs all the way through, but we will just leave it to the score chart. I'm glad you're going to let me, because I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to be grading them in categories, and we're grading them out of 10. Um, so, Mark, for this episode, your score of five is gone, because my maths is not good. You need to play by the You Run podcast rules and score out of 10. The categories are as follows. You've got fear, story arc, killers, characters, and weapons. Uh, We're also going to be scoring three movies from the franchise that we're going to pick for each other. So Mark's going to pick three Nightmare on Elm Street movies for me to score, and I'm going to pick three Halloween movies, Resurrection, for Mark to score. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're going to total up all these scores, and at the end, we're going to come to a final conclusion of where we are, of of what what you're going to get, and you're going to get a winner. So there's a lot to digest in the head-to-head, so... Here's a clip of what you're going to get. We need all of you. Evil dies tonight. I'm playing with power. There's nothing inside that man but pure evil. Sticks and stones may break my bones. I saw the boogeyman. I saw him outside. There was nobody outside. There was. What do you look like? <laughs> What's with kids today, huh? No respect. You don't know what he means. You don't know. Want a sucked face? No. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. Oh, you better speak up. Must be my death here. See anything you like? You've got the body. I've got the brain. Because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. What the prime time, bitch! Everyone in the family like turns into a nutcase this time of year. Yeah, I mean, your grandmother is Laurie Strode. Most of all, the National Guard. How many people did he kill last year? Have you forgotten? This is it, gentlemen. Your big break in TV. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Stop! You had a knife in your stomach. You, Allison. 
should not have to keep running. I should warn you, princess. The first time tends to get a little... Betty. If the way I raised your mother means that she hates me, but that she's prepared for the horrors of this world, then I can live with that. I think he might speak with you. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it or you can help me to stop it. I am your boyfriend now, Nancy. The man. All this hiding, all this preparation, it was for nothing. It took priority over your family. It cost you your family. We are going to start in what I think is an excellent place to start. We're going to start with weapons. Um, there's not a huge amount to discuss here. Um, so I'm going to let Mark take us through. Mark, Markles? Markles. You, you, and Michael Myers, you and Michael Myers have become one. Michael Myers. <laughs> uh, I'm going to let you take us through his arsenal of weapons. Get your knife. Um, and then I will take you through Freddy's. So, Mark, take it away. Remember, we're talking weapons, not kills. Yes, this is true. And And you say as well kitchen knife obviously he's synonymous with his kitchen knife as freddy is with his glove so let's not start the digs too early mate because we all know where we're going with this <laughs> <clears throat> so michael myers obviously synonymous with his kitchen knife <laughs> i'm not going to dive too much into why this is an important weapon and why this is mate it's a kitchen knife. i've got 12 i've got 12 in my kitchen that identical and that is exactly my reason why that that one is so important and why it is the most intimidating weapon that you can use, because it's so readily available. I, You're I making me get to my point before I even want to get to my point. Yeah, I, I, dug, I dug my own hole there, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Michael's arsenal is very limited. He has had some creative kills throughout the franchise and some creative weapon choices, but majority of them do solely lie with his standard kitchen slash butcher's knife that he carries around majority of the time. There's been multiple ones throughout. So you have the telephone cable in part one. You have, I mean, he more or less uses certain environments as opposed to weapons when it comes to things like that. I mean, he uses a pitchfork in, in five, but he's either a very grabby man or a very knifey man. And that's about as far as Myers goes, really. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And now let's take... Freddy. So Freddy's got a razor glove, which is the most inventive, unique weapon of any slasher killer. I think that's that's no one can argue that. Is um, an artificial Wolverine? What are you talking about? Uh, it is, but let, let, let's let's not stick with that. Let's go into some of the other weapons he's used. So Freddy used a motorbike to kill someone <laughs> in Dream Child, um, and he also used syringe hands to give someone an overdose. Overdice? Overdice? Overdice. <laughs> Markle Myers and Overdice. <laughs> uh, to give someone an overdose um, in Dream Warriors. I think Freddy's choice of weapons is so varied because of the type of killer he is. There is nothing that's off limits to him. He turns himself into a TV and makes a TV a weapon. So I think Freddy's got this hands down, but we're both going to score it. And the way we're going to score it is we're going to score each other's weapons. And I'm going to keep a tally of the scores. So, Mark, you can go first. Out of 10, how would you score the weapons available to Freddy Krueger? Um, I mean, I'm not coming in this to take this franchise down. I'm, I'm quite a big fan-ish within reason of the 
of the Nightmare franchise. So I'm going to be fair and I'm going to be just and I'm going to give Nightmare an 8 out of 10. I, I, I think that's fair. And I, I want to add here that I'm not out to take down Halloween either. I, I, I like Halloween. I, I'm going to rip you to pieces as we go yeah, through. I'm going I, to take you down, but yeah. I'm not willing to take your <laughs> franchise down. At no, your expense. <laughs> um, uh, purely because of Michael's lack of options. I mean, a telephone cable and a kitchen knife do not make a great arsenal of weapons. Uh, I'm going to score him a seven out of ten. To be fair, that's a lot more generous than I expected. Yeah, I, as I say, I'm not out to kill it. And plus, I know what ca- what categories we've got coming, so I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on. And we're going to move into characters. So both of these franchises have got casts and characters that would fit into any major blockbuster. There are so many across the Nightmare franchise and Halloween that if we'd done them all, we would just do a three-hour podcast just on these characters. So we're going to narrow it down to three. So I've chosen three and Mark has chosen three and we're going to score each other's. We're going to score our own because that's because if we score our own, I'm going to go 10, 10, 10. I win. Yeah, I'm going to do 10, <laughs> 10, 10 as well. Uh, exactly. So I, I'm going to start with mine. I'm going to kick it off with Nancy Thompson. She is the definitive squeen, squeak. Man, what is going on today? The definitive squeak queen. Squeak queen. Scream queen. Uh, and pivotal to the success of one dream warriors and a new nightmare she's capable of being a lovable kind of almost dopey character in the first one right through to being an absolute badass her on-screen chemistry with freddie borderlines a love story um and she's never disappointed in every movie she's appeared she's been absolutely outstanding very very solid argument and i have nothing to disagree with you on that one i'm afraid well, that's good then. So how are you going to score Nancy Thompson as a character in a Nightmare on Elm Street franchise? So what have we seen Nancy in up until this point? She's been in 1, 3 and New Nightmare. Yes, which are three of the strongest in the franchise. Not arguing with you on that either. Um, I'm going to score Nancy a 9 out of 10. I'm going to base that purely on her character and not necessarily the actress and her capabilities because she's had a few wonky moments throughout the three films she's been in but overall as a character and a final girl I think she's fantastic I really really like her character and I like how well she's utilized throughout the franchise so she's a nine out of ten for me okay fantastic thank you very much I'll, I'll take You're that more than welcome. Uh, but yeah we are scoring the characters not the actors and actresses because that would be a completely different scorecard um my next choice is jesse walsh now i picked jesse walsh because he is a character who is massively underrated in the nightmare franchise he is proof that you do not need to keep the same story you can go so far off piste with a sequel and it still be good the first male screen queen i said it right that time um i can think of and he delivers such an incredible character so everything from fun and happy where he's bouncing the drawing with his ass and i'm doing the motion now down to the darker elements where he's becoming freddy and everything is just for that character just works for me he's such a good character i love that character again yeah solid my score for jesse i'd i'd make this perfectly clear across the board uh nightmare 2 is by far one of the strongest if not the strongest 
depending on my mood, films in the franchise. And I think Jesse is the perfect character and actor to to follow that film and, and, and to, to see it through to the end. And as much as it pains me to say it, Jesse Walsh is a time out of 10 for me. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 love, I love it. I love him and I love, I love what he did in Nightmare 2. I love what they did with his character in Nightmare 2. I was so disappointed that he didn't get the return he deserved in Dream Warriors. He's a 10 out of 10 for me. Wow. I, I'm a little bit stunned. I was expecting a little bit of a pushback on Jesse. So. Nope. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm on a roll. You're on a roll. You're on a roll. Can I hit another 10? Can you pick some characters from like Nightmare 4 or 5? Or... <laughs> no. No, I can't. <laughs> Are you going to have Buster Rhymes in your list of characters? Uh, he might make an appearance. <laughs> I doubt it, but he might. <laughs> uh, finally, the man of the hour, who honestly didn't make my list, first of all. So when I first wrote my list, I picked Kincaid from Dream Warriors because I fucking love that character. He's a budget Mr. T and he fucking rocks. But it wouldn't be fair if I didn't pick Freddy Krueger. So Freddy delivers fear and comedy in perfect harmony through most of the franchise. He has some moments where he strays too far one way or the other. But his one-liners are impeccable. Uh, Welcome to prime time, bitch. There is not a better line from a slasher villain in any movie ever, as far as I'm concerned. Um, He's not only incredible, but he is ingrained into popular culture. Everyone knows who Freddy Krueger is. If you showed them a razor glove or a fedora, the chances are they go, oh, it's Freddy. He's the perfect villain, as far as I'm concerned. How do you feel about Mr. Krueger? Uh, this one may surprise a lot of people because I'm not a massive fan of Freddy Krueger at all. I would, if I was to selectively pick which of my Freddies would be my Freddy compendium, if you will, it would be Nightmare 1, 2 and New Nightmare. That is when Freddy is at his most terrifying. That is when Freddy is his most impactful. For me, anything excluding those three films is is very, very wonky. I don't like the one-liners. I don't like the cheesiness. I don't like the, the slapstick MTV vibe that they took with his character. And for me, those three films, anything excluding that is very, very disappointing and, and very hard to watch. I can imagine watching this when they were on release, being a product of the time may have been enjoyable and I've just realized I've contradicted myself on the Buffy comment I made earlier on we'll swiftly swiftly move on from that but having said that I feel like coming out in the era they did when MTV was a thing and the quippy one-liners and Freddy Krueger wasn't just a product of these films he was a product of everything in that era he was everywhere regardless of, of nightmare films he had his own TV show he was guesting on He'd come out and he would do award shows dressed as Freddy Krueger. I mean, he was literally everywhere as his character. It became the Freddy Krueger show and not a Nightmare on Elm Street past part two, in my opinion, until it was retconned in New Nightmare. So if I was to solely base it on one, two and New Nightmare, it would probably be peaking at a nine. But based on everything else in between, I'm going to bring it down to a six. Wow. Wow, you just and I feel like I had to. I feel like I had to justify where he would have been at a nine for that reason. But everything in between for me just it's not an enjoyable Freddy for me to watch. It's not what I want from a nightmare franchise. I just feel like it it undermines everything that came before it. Wow, 
Okay, well, I'm a, I'm a little bit hurt, but let, let, let's move on to yours and maybe I'll feel better. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, I shouldn't have ended it on such a sour note. You should have ended with Nancy so you came away from it in a good mood. So obviously my first pick is going to be the ultimate final girl and longest serving member of the Halloween franchise, which is Miss Laurie Strode herself. She is the ultimate female heroine. She has battled her way through seven Nine, including the two Rob Zombie remake films in this franchise, she she is the ultimate final girl, and that is something I'm I'm that's a that's a hill I'm willing to die on. I'm afraid. I think she's she's done her time, and rightly so. Um, there isn't really a lot else for me to say. Everybody knows the name Laurie Strode, regardless. You could say Nancy Thompson to a lot of people, but I feel like they wouldn't have the same connection with it if yeah. you said the name Laurie Strode. Yeah, and, and I get that. And Laurie Strode's had some incredible appearances in the franchise. And I want everyone to realise that me and Mark have watched each other's franchises in the build-up to this. So I've watched yes. all of the 85,000 Halloween movies that they made. <laughs> yeah, you've had a lot more research through than I have this week. Fuck, man, your franchise is like, I was like, am I there yet? Oh, no, no, I'm only on movie nine. I've still got 11 more to go. Uh, uh, Laurie Strode is strong throughout, even in the Rob Zombie movie. She is a strong, hard character. She can't get anything less. She is a straight 10 out of 10. Laurie Strode is awesome. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's performance as Laurie Strode is unparalleled. Even in the new movie, she's outstanding. Um, I, I love this character. I've got a real affection for this character. So, yes, she's a 10 out of 10 for me. Good. Thank you very much. So I appreciate the score. My second pick is going to be, obviously, Mr. Dr. Loomis himself, played by Mr. Donald Pleasance, the legendary British actor that is Mr. Donald Pleasance. This guy is the mast that sails this franchise and I feel had he been Miss I know we're not talking necessarily about the actors but I feel like had he been recast into the transition that was four, five and six and onwards I don't think this franchise would be where it is today without him his constant battle and hunter if you will of Michael Myers throughout the course of the seven films he's in I know two of those he was Malcolm McDowell in the Rob Zombie films, but the five films that was played by Mr. Ple- um, excuse me, it's complete loss where I was. Then. The five films that was played by Mr. Pleasance himself was something that this franchise didn't deserve, and I know that pains for me to say it, but they didn't deserve the level of of acting and quality and and pizzazz that that he brought to these films, and and I think a lot of this franchise's success is not owed to Curtis, and I think it's owed to Pleasance and, and his portrayal of Dr. Loomis. Yeah, uh, and I'll give you that completely. Donald Pleasance as Dr. Loomis is outstanding, even in Halloween 4, and my views are well-versed on that movie, probably more than any other Halloween movie. He's great. His, li- his little trip in the camper van, the, the little van with the old guys, amazing. And his... Even when we get into five and he's proper, Michael Myers is evil. He's so evil. And that's all, <laughs> all he says for the entire movie. He's great. Yes. The problem with Dr. Loomis, the character, is the Rob Zombie movies. They missed the mark so much on Loomis. They just, yeah. so far off. That Not necessarily in the first one. It was more in the second one, the egotistical side of him that Rob Zombie took with that film. Um, but we could talk about that for fucking yeah. hours on its own um but um, i agree with you i do agree with you i feel like as a character he was solely 
it's Pleasance's character, and I feel like what what as much as it's a remake and you're doing a recast and a re and all the rest of it, I feel like I just feel like what Pleasance did felt like a disservice by re redoing his character. I feel like it should have yeah. been completely rewritten in a different way for me. Yeah, and I th- I think you're now because you're a big Rob Zombie fanboy. Yes. Um, so you can blame Rob Zombie for this score not being a ten because had those movies not existed, yeah, Loomis could have got a ten. Um, he's going to get an eight. Yeah, that's all right. I respect that. I mean, don't get me wrong; he's a great character, and he does have his wonky, his wonkiness along the way. I mean, as you say in five, he's extremely, extremely crazy, crazy Loomis. I love and him in five. He's a very mellow enjoyable pleasant teddy bear in six and then again he takes a complete revamp in the remakes and more so a complete left field in rob zombies part two something that i detest what they did with that character and i'm not madly in love with um malcolm mcdowell's portrayal of him either if i'm perfectly honest no i think he's a very overrated actor if i'm honest as well i I like malcolm mcdowell but the character was written wrong and yeah. that, that's where it fell down for me. It 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 wasn't anything Malcolm McDowell done. It was just the fact that it wasn't right. No. And so, he was great in part one, and he did a very good job in part one. Had they continued that forward, I maybe wouldn't. I feel like I'm blaming McDowell when I shouldn't be blaming McDowell. For no, what it's, happened it's, in part it's two. Zombie's fault. Yeah. Blame, he, you blame your boy Rob Zombie. It's his fault. He very much hammed it up and went along with it, though, didn't he? Um, yeah. Being a thespian himself, he should have known the disservice he was doing to that character and should have maybe said something. That's a woman who likes women, isn't it? <laughs> really? I thought <laughs> we saved the dad jokes for the beginning. Yeah, well, I thought I'd throw <laughs> one in there. Um, who's your final pick? I, I, I'm asking that as if I don't know. <laughs> uh, my final pick is Tina from Halloween 5. Fuck off. <laughs> no, of course not. My final pick is Michael Myers himself. Uh, he's taken on very different acting performances from various different characters throughout one thing that it doesn't hold well compared to Mr. Robert England himself something I'm very aware of but the character of Michael Myers is if not the most iconic slasher in horror cinematic history Um, he's intimidating he needs he doesn't need the gimmicks he's a man who lurks in the darkness he is a shape he is fear himself. Um, this, for me, is without doubt the most intimidating character in horror history. You you don't need all this singing, dancing, bells and whistles. This is a man. This could be anybody. This could be your next door neighbour lurking. You know, it, it's one of those characters where he it's so real. Yeah. That's, that's the intimidating aspect about it. That's the scary side of Michael Myers. It's not a case of, oh, he's a ghost now, or who is is this now, or he's a mutant who will never die, or he's a fictional zombie. This is a man. This is a man, and he likes in the darkness. He will, he's always watching. You know, it's a stalker element to this character that, surprisingly enough, has, has kept being intimidating over the span of, of, of 14 films. Thir- 13 films. Sorry, Halloween 3 doesn't include him, unless you include the bar scene. That's where you, where you see him on the TV. <laughs> yeah, I really hate the that. It drives me mad every time I watch it. But I, I think you would be hard pushed to, to argue he embodies the, the the image of fear itself. You know, this is this isn't something fictional. This is a very real possibility within this character, um, and that is why I think this franchise is as successful as it is. Yeah, 
Michael Myers is incredibly difficult to discuss because there are so many different versions of Myers from shoulder pad Myers to the original Myers through to Halloween kills. I'm going to fuck you all up Myers, but I like all the variations of Myers minus Rob Zombie's Halloween too, where he's missing his mask Myers. I don't like him then. I even like that though, to be honest with you, I'm still a big fan of, of what, that is the strongest part of that film yeah yeah okay i'll let i'll let i'll let you i'll let you believe that um, you're talking about the realism of this character and how realistic he is and how normalized he is and how how well portrayed he is in terms of of being a normal person and being a uh not having the gimmicks that oh, to, I, you use your character as reference but as 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 wildly orchestrated as most of Freddy's kills are. Like, oh, this I... is a very realistic approach. And that's something that Rob Zombie did in part two. You need to stop me, man, because you know what I do yeah, when I go to Rob I, Zombie I, 2. You I, need to I, cut I, me I, off. I'm, I'm going to stop you now. I, but Myers is really realistic. They are now leaning into that zombie element that you would get in Friday the 13th. So Myers is now resurrected. But I'm not going into that. I'm going to score it on what I've seen up to now. And Myers is a nine. It pains me to say it. I wanted to give him like a five, but I can't. He's a nine. So thank you. I, yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I personally, I, I don't think I could justify a ten either. If I'm honest with you, based on the iterations we've seen of this character throughout. <laughs> Sh- shoulder pad Michael loses a point at least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no neck Michael. I think in Resurrection, the fact that he lets Buster Rhymes talk him down and walks on past without snapping his neck deserves a point deduction as well in my opinion uh, one of my favorite points in the entire franchise i've got a, <laughs> i've got an undying love in my heart for resurrection but we'll get to that later the disservice they did to myers the character in that scene alone is 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 shocking um, um would you like a tally of where we are score wise i would like to know where we are at this point yes please yeah sir. so two rounds <clears> in so we've done weapons and we have done what else do we do characters uh a Nightmare on Elm Street has got a score of 33 points and Halloween has a score of 34 points. Ooh. So it's... And just so everybody knows, this isn't pre-scripted. I don't know what Scott's picked and he doesn't know what I've picked and we haven't talked scores beforehand. We're not orchestrating it to be this close. <laughs> no, and just so everyone knows, my maths is so bad I'm using the calculator on my phone so I don't fuck it up. And in fact, actually, while we're on this, as a listener, can you please keep a tally as we go? Because Scott is a cheat and I don't trust him. <laughs> well, as you say that, it's time to break something now. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> that would really throw you off. That would the whole episode. Uh, uh, the next category we've got is fear. As we take a look at these two franchises and how scary they are and both franchises are fucking hit and miss. Massively hit and miss. Both franchises. For me, Nightmare on Elm Street 1, 2 and New Nightmare are the only ones that hit any kind of fear level. The rest are just, in terms of fear, they're just noise. They're, there's nothing in there that's particularly scary and they take a real comedic tone, which I love. I think that's amazing. But it's just not scary. And for this... We're going to score our own franchises. And I'm going to score a Nightmare on Elm Street a 5 out of 10. Solid, solid. I personally, given the average of scary films to not scary films, would have scored it a little bit less. 
I think. I think. I don't know. Because I think one, two, and New Nightmare, maybe not so much New Nightmare. New Nightmare still has that lingering novelty aspect, especially within the closing acts that is brought in through four, five, and six. Um, but there are some scary elements in the other thing, in the other movies as well. Yeah, they're just yeah toned, there is. There they're is, just, yeah. They're overshadowed by... Freddie being comedic and one-liners. Yeah, um, by Freddie being Freddie. By Freddie being Freddie, yeah. And and part one's terrifying. Part two's terrifying. New Nightmare is terrifying up until the last 10 minutes where it just sort of blends too much of the old with the new. Um Five's a solid score. I'd want to score it higher based on my recent rewatches, but I understand why it doesn't deserve to be scored any higher than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's undercut by the the silliness that follows in between. Um, yeah, so that's I, the first goal. Yeah, I I think it's fair. And as I said, I am going to be fair. I could just score yeah. every everything ten, but that makes a dull episode. If I score everything ten and Mark scores everything ten, guess what? At the end of this episode, we have a tie. <laughs> 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 um, so how would you score Halloween? Yes, so Halloween, again, along with the Nightmare franchise, this is not short of its ups and downs. Um, <laughs> no. Massive fan of this franchise. I grew up loving this franchise. I think it's a scary franchise. And as some of the things, that, some of the points that I mentioned earlier about Myers being an everyday person and can be there, he could be stood looking at you through the window now as you're listening to this show, as opposed to a fabricated story about a dream monster. Not to undercut what you're saying, I'm just saying in, in terms of, of, of that's reality. Just, that's fine, you keep it, those dicks coming. It, I just mean in terms of reality of the threat. Yeah. I feel like he's a lot more realistic of a threat, which makes him a lot more scarier as a concept, regardless of how dog shit the films are that he stars in. Um, we obviously have a lot more films in the Halloween franchise than we do in the Nightmare franchise, so I'm just going to run through the ones that I consider to be the scary ones or we're all horror fans nothing really scares us these days but the ones that i would consider selecting to be in a horror and to be in a scary category and the not scary category so my scary category would go one two h2o rob zombies one and two and halloween 18 and kills i think three four five six and resurrections do not belong in a scary category again with some of the thready moments they have their moments within those said films, but overall as a collective film, I don't think I'd be concerned about showing any of the the non-scary films to somebody who was 10, 11, 12, 13 years old who yeah. felt mature enough to watch a horror film. Yeah, I'd um, agree with that. But I wouldn't consider showing the 1, 2, H2O, Rob Zombies 1 and 2, especially Rob no. Zombies 1 and 2. Or Kills. Or Kills or 18. And again... I'm going to say this now. I think Rob Zombie's 1, 2, 18 and Kills falls more within the violent, uncomfortable yeah. aspect than the actual fear itself. Um, yeah, it's gratuitous. Just brutality. Brutal, especially Kills. Brutal. Brutal is just, yeah. And and Rob Zombie's 2 is just brutal. Brutal to watch. Yeah. But the with Rob Zombie's 2, they... The nurse is just... It's yeah. hard to watch, even it, as a full-grown adult. It is, but they tone it down in Rob Zombies too, because you get Sherry Zombie in a white horse every ten minutes. Exactly, which, which means you're going, everything ah. that comes with it. Yeah, <laughs> I think for me, I'm going to score this 
I want to score it on the film, but I feel like I'm scoring it based on the fear of the character. What? How did you? Can you just explain to me how you came to your conclusion, dude? Because so, Freddy uh, as a concept uh, is a very terrifying concept. Myers Fred, as a concept is an equally terrifying concept. How yeah, did so you rate your score on the film? I scored it based on looking at all of the films, which films they were scary in, which films they weren't scary in, and taking kind of an average of which films I think that they were a scary movie and which ones they were more like scary movie. Right, okay, well... I'm going to base my, I've just checked my tally on which ones I think are scary and not scary. And I'm sort of looking at a ratio of about six to four. So I'm going to, I'm going to score Halloween a six. Six. Okay. Yeah. I, I, again, I, I think that's fair. Um, buckle up because we're about to enter the multiverse. Uh, Mark, next up is story arcs. I, I'm going to now sit down. I'm going to get really, really comfy. I'm going to grab my beer and I'm going to have a snooze while you talk us through the story arc of Halloween. This this should be fun. You're talking about it like I don't know what I'm doing, mate. I mean, I live and breathe this franchise. This is going to uh, take me what most normal people would take 45 minutes. I'm probably hoping to wrap this up in about five. <laughs> a bit like my sexual performance, to be fair. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Right. What are you going to do about your Freddy franchise? Are you just going to... You don't really need to do anything with your Freddy franchise, uh, do you? It's I, I, a very I, I, consistent story. Yeah, I'll, I'll come after you. I'll let you I'll let you do the, the, the multiverse of badness first, and then I'll wrap mine up in about eight seconds. Right, okay. I feel where you go with this. Right, okay. So I'm going to start with the OG. I'm, I'm going to name each timeline so you can follow as much as you need to. So we're going to start with the OG timeline. So this starts in Halloween 1978, John Carpenter's, which is immediately followed by Halloween 2, which takes place on the same night. We then have the same timeline, which is then Halloween 4, 5, and 6. Um, end chapter. So that is a, that is a five-based movie. I know yeah. I, I missed three. Three is its own anthology film, which has been completely secluded of everything else. We <laughs> then have separate timeline, which is timeline two. We're going to call this a Laurie Strode timeline. So we have Halloween 1, 2, Halloween H2O, and Halloween Resurrections. Yeah. I'm, I'm still following? Yeah, yeah, I'm still with you. Right, okay. And then we have the remake, which is a complete separate remake altogether. This is Rob Zombie's 1 and 2, which was a remake of the original OG timeline. And then we have the newer old man myers timeline which is halloween 1 1978 and then we have halloween 2018 followed by halloween kills which is then going to be concluded with halloween ends now that's only five timelines based over the space of 14 films i think that's pretty easy to follow however if like me you choose to condense this i tend to go halloween one two three four five six and then I roll straight into Halloween H2O and Halloween Resurrection and consider this a nine-act story and that the death of Laurie Strode in Halloween 4 was said that she died off-screen in the car accident. Yeah. I choose this to be a... She didn't die. She didn't die and that this was just a cover for her to escape and start a new life based on her having a young child and a drug-fueled lifestyle and she's just gone off to start a new life and there's nothing like creating trouble when you write your own story arc to make your movies work <laughs> Fuck, but i feel like that works well and that's but before we had google and all the rest of it this was how i saw this timeline that's how i grew up watching these films i didn't know that you could wreck on a timeline and just exclude everything that had come before it. as far as i was aware 
Halloween H2O was Halloween 7. There was no... Yeah, there was no gap. There was no There was jump. no gap. As far, so I made the logical conclusion that what had happened in Halloween 4 was actually fake to death. And yeah. then that's why we strolled on to Halloween H2O. So that's the way I choose to see this timeline. Um, so that would make it all the timelines, barring the remake and Halloween 3, and then the new timeline, which is retconned everything. And now I'm an adult and understand what retcon means. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so A Nightmare on Elm Street, we have one, two, three, four... <laughs> Dream Child, Freddy's Dead. We then have a standalone movie, which is New Nightmare. And but we don't, we... though. No, we don't. I'm going to have to interrupt you. We don't. We it don't is... have a new nightmare. No, a... I watched this yesterday. This, I know. This, this is the same Where, film. Wes Craven has said it is a standalone and not attached to the originals. Nah, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying uh, it. There's lots of nods into it, but it is, according to Wes Craven, this is not me, this is Wes Craven, don't argue with Wes. He I said like that is, that is a standalone. Uh, and then we get the 2010 remake. Um, all of these are solid-ish, <laughs> minus, minus the, the remake, maybe. Um, I'm going to let you score the story arc of A Nightmare on Elm Street, and then I'm going to score the story arcs multiple of Halloween. So you go first. Story arc of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, I'm going to take a moment to rant because I'm going to say now that I feel like New Nightmare is is part seven. Uh, it's referenced multiple times that the that the, that the Freddy films exist within this universe and that it all started as Freddy being a gin that inhabited... If this, is, if this is considered separate, this is going to completely undermine my enjoyment of New Nightmare. That's going to annoy the shit out of me because I want this to be a continuation. Because when we roll into Freddy versus Jason, we get the demonized gin version of Freddy Krueger yeah. at the start of that film, which looks fucking awesome. I'd and like I never you... understood it. I never uh... understood why he looked the way he did in that film up until watching New Nightmare. I was like, oh, that's awesome. My mind's blown. Of course, it's all one big story. This is fantastic. Uh, yeah. And like you, I watched it in one story like you did with Halloween. It wasn't until, I'll be honest, it wasn't until the research for this episode where I even I sat there and went, fuck off, Wes. You're no wrong. way, man. That is bullshit. I'm going to exclude that. And for me, this is a very, very solid, excluding the remake, which is obviously a very, which is a remake. It's, it is what it says on the tip. This is a consistent story in my eyes. I feel like they all follow through, even into Freddy versus Jason. It makes perfect sense to me how we come doesn't make perfect sense to me how he comes back at all we have some stories we need to talk about that on a separate note but as a story from start to finish i think this is by far one of the most consistent horror franchises out there with possibly the exception of child's play yeah um i'm gonna score this a nine only i would have scored this a 10 had we not had this conversation that new nightmare wasn't included in this but i'm gonna score this a nine um yeah I, it's solid. It's very, very consistent. And and I've only just watched these. So I started my nightmare journey probably about six months ago with one, two. And yeah. I took a break and then I had to speedily run through in preparation for this episode. I had such a blast getting through them all. Um, but I've always seen these as one solid story in my eyes. And, and for that reason, it's a nine. Yeah. OK. Well, thank you very much. I'll, I'll take that. Well, I'm pleased with that. Halloween, I've watched these all over the last six months, I, I knew this episode was coming and I kind of just worked my way through it. And I watched them in the order they were released. I found the timelines really annoying. Like I, In my head, it's one, two, three. They are 
they are a timeline on their own. One, two, three, four. And three is just a separate story that happens within Halloween. It's just kind of is there. Um, when it starts jumping about and we start getting into H2O and Resurrection, and then we get the the new timeline I love. I love, in fact, all of the timelines as an individual thing, I love. All of the individual story arcs are really good. When you put it all together, if you were, if you knew nothing about Halloween and you come to this and you went and bought a box set of all the Halloween movies and you sat down and went, oh, I'm going to watch through this. And you went one, two, three, four, five, six. You'd go, what the fuck? What's going on? And you'd get to a point where you were like, how does that connect to that? And you'd need to go and use Google to explain to you what's going on. And that's kind of where I'm going to base my story. The story arcs individually are great. Altogether, it's just a bit jumbled. And that's purely because so many people have had their hand in it and so many people have gone in different directions. Um, it's still not a bad score, but I'm only going to give it a seven. That's a lot better than I expected it to be, to be honest with you. Um, I but, take on board. I, I agree with a lot of things that you're saying. I mean, like I say, I I based my own conclusions on where I thought this story should go, what I thought this story should be growing up, watching them in order. I said, the only other franchise that I know is guilty of this as well is is the Leatherface franchise. This yeah. does a very similar thing and I, I detest it in that franchise because I'm an outsider to that franchise. So I can yeah. understand why if somebody who is not a diehard fan would be furiated by the inconsistencies within the story. Yeah, and uh, for me, I, I understand the different arcs and I, I get it. But if you, if you were a new viewer to this, you'd be like, what the fuck? When it gets to H2O, you'd be like, but she died like there? What? It would just be so confusing. Let's move on. Let's move on to the bit that I've been itching to get to. I literally, this is the most excited I've been about this episode. Let's move on to kills. So there are so many kills across these franchises, especially when you get into some of the later Halloween movies where he's knocking off 25, 30 people a movie. The kills are like constant. Um, So we narrowed it down. We're going to pick three and you're going to score mine. And I'm going to score yours. So I'm going to let you go first and give me your three kills from the Halloween franchise. Right. This was very, very difficult for me to narrow it down. Um, there is a lot of cool kills. Um, not necessarily as creative as what your franchise is going to produce, but in terms of, of the way this basic man handles himself and utilizes the objects and things around him to take out people, it's very difficult to narrow it down. So what I've done is I've, I've, picked my three yeah these are the ones that every time i watch this franchise back and i get to them i'm like oh this shit is awesome oh this is a cool kill so my first one i'm going to start with is from halloween kills surprisingly uh, enough i know where you're going I'm no so you don't pleased. no you oh, don't really because i know where you think you think i'm going but i'm not my favorite kill in halloween kills although i've said it numerous times before the John Wick kill. That is not my favourite. My favourite kill is the fluorescent light bulb kill in Halloween Kills. When he pulls it down from the cooker hood, smashes it on the side, and bosh, straight in the neck. It's fantastic. It it looks brutal. We've all been kids. We've all broken into abandoned buildings, or at least I have anyway, and you find fluorescent light bulbs and you smash them and they make that loud popping noise. And you get the, this. I, I love it. I love Seeing this is brutal, it's dark, it's grey, and every time I watch this film back and I see it, I'm like, fuck. Uh, and I, I love this kill, for, for the same reasons you do. 
going into yeah. old abandoned buildings, two of you picking up and having a lightsaber battle. Or, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I love it. It's not the most inventive of kills. No. Uh, and for that reason alone, it's going to get a nine. But I do love it. I love that kill. And my second kill, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit here because I'm not going to go based on kill. I'm just going to go based on the onslaught that is the one-shot camera work from Halloween 8 to 18. Yeah. That whole where he it's the one-shot camera work where he goes, he gets a hammer from the shed, kills a woman, he picks up the kitchen knife, he walks through the house, he goes to house, to house, to house, he kills a woman through the neck at the window with the blind. I think it's difficult to pick, but that whole two, three-minute segment it's so beautifully filmed and brutal as fuck as well and to watch. So, do you know what? That's one of my favourites from the entire franchise. And for that, and mine too. And mine too. Yeah. And, and for and that, it, it pains for me to say that these two picks out of the three are from the newer timeline. But what Myers has become and what Myers is doing within these latest films is is far beyond any nineties, eighties cheesiness that's come before it it's yeah. it's it's taking the character to new levels for yeah for good or bad um yeah, yeah that entire I, opening scene for me for that i'm giving you a 10 because I, I i love that it's one of my favorite shots of the entire franchise um when i watched that recently because i've obviously just got to those movies most recent that bit is the bit where i go it's a it's a moment where he goes and grabs the hammer and you go fuck yes yeah and then when he finally gets to the point where he picks up the knife, you, that inner child in you comes out and you go, yay, guy's knife. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, cool as fuck, man. It uh, really is. I genuinely love it. Um, let's switch things up. Pick me a nightmare kill. You want a nightmare kill? Yeah. Oh, this isn't difficult for me. Oh, I don't know why I'm hesitating. And of all the films in the franchise, I can't believe I'm going to go to... Dream Child. I think, <laughs> I, think, I think you mentioned this earlier on anyway, but my favourite kill in the entire franchise is Dan from Dream Child with the motorbike. Um, yeah. This kill is very, very undercut by Freddy's constant talking throughout it and quips and one-liners. And it, If you cut Freddy's audio off in this kill, this would be a much better kill than it actually is. But it, it's so creative. The practical effects works in it. You're standing and then you get Dan turning into this almost like zombie Ma- uh, Mad Max style yeah. Furiosa thing driving down the road. It, it's so, so cool. And it, I don't know if you've seen the, um, I don't want to say the wrong thing here. I'm going to just sort of vaguely say Asian. Uh, Tetsu, so Iron Man yeah. film, the black yeah. and white. It reminded me so much of that with the wires and the, and the sort of whole thing that's going on there. It's so cool. It's a favorite. It's my favorite in the entire franchise. It's its incredible. And I'm annoyed that it's in number five. <laughs> so you can score that one. How do you score that kill? I score that 10 out of 10. I love it. I love to watch that. It was so cool when I saw that. Okay. Well, that's good. Some solid scores there from you and from me. Um, my turn. So I'm going to go with Glenn Lance from A Nightmare on Elm Street being dragged through the bed and then the flood of blood that followed it visually it's stunning it's the on-screen death of johnny depp in his debut movie it made him a star all that blood made him a star um, also they electrified the set when they done that because they had live sockets and shit when they turned the room upside down yeah i read um, that <laughs> <laughs> which makes it equally as cool um how would you score that kill 
Um, you know me. You know I'm a lover of practical effects. You know how much I appreciate when effort goes into something rather than just being digitally added at a later date. So I think based on the set design that went into it and having the rotating room as opposed to all the, not sorry, not the rotating room, the way that the blood sort of came down as opposed to going like yeah. the, the the mechanical aspect that goes yeah. into creating that film. I got confused with the other death then apologies. Um the way that the blood comes down and the way they had to film all that upside down. It, it's very, very creative. Something that the first nightmare film is, is renowned for in terms of its death sequences. That's a nine. It could be better because there is a moment where you pulled into the duvet and it looks a bit, but it's, yeah. a, it's a solid nine based on the times that it was done and the creativity that went into it for said time period. Okay, no, it's a good score. Um, the second one I'm going to pick is Jennifer Claudefield from Dream Warriors. Um, this actually won Skelly's, uh, Skelly's event, uh, her best poll of slasher kills. Um, and I had to include it for that reason alone. Welcome to prime time, bitch. The start of Freddy's demise, unfortunately. No, this this is this is the pinnacle of Freddy kills. I love it. It is, kill. it is, it is. But the thing is, the, the coolness of this kill and the coolness of the catchphrase that go with it is obviously where this franchise fell apart because people saw that and thought that was fucking awesome. So they just bashed that over your head for about four, four films. Uh, I wish I'd pick something else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm, hey, 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 I'm neutral. I can exclude everything else and base it on this kill alone. But I just feel like how awesome this kill was and how awesome the catchphrase was that came with it was then yeah. something that, that tainted the franchise throughout because I feel like they saw this and realised how well-received it was. And then every, all of a sudden everyone was like, oh, well, we need this. We need more of this. And they didn't get it right ever since. Yeah. Yeah, I'd kind of agree with that. How would you score it? Uh... Bear in mind, you're just scoring that kill. Nothing else. Just No, of course. Of course, yeah. Uh, based on that kill alone, I don't think it's as great as people say it is. As iconic as it is, I don't necessarily... Did, I, did, I, did I not say it right? Welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> I'd seen this. I'd seen this a lot. Uh, obviously, as people know, I've only recently just started watching the Nightmare franchise. I'd seen this a lot everywhere. So I was expecting something bigger than what it actually was. So by the time I'd first watched it, I was a bit underwhelmed by it, I think. So it's an eight, I think. Okay, I'll take that. And I'm now going to pick a, a kill that I love from Halloween. And I, I genuinely love this. This is Michael at his absolute best. And it's Cameron Elam. This is the kill on the stairs in yes. Halloween Kills. What makes this kill so good is not the brutality when he's bashing his head through the, the spokes of the banisters. He's dragging him along. It's just the pure sadisticness. And the only time Michael Myers in the entire franchise, his character has got a laugh out of me where he looks straight at the granddaughter and you could almost see him go, mm-hmm. and then he turns and snaps <laughs> Cameron's neck. She's like, leave him alone. And Michael goes, oh, what this guy, oh, what this guy here? Crunch. And oh, honestly, when I watched it, I watched it in the cinema. I just went, <laughs> oh, well done, Michael. That was brilliant. And I love that kill so much. It's the best kill in the franchise by a country mile for me. It's a 10 out of 10 for that. Wow. Wow. It is. It's very cool. It's very, very cool. I I didn't expect it, if I'm honest with you, and I think that makes it more stronger than it was because I he's quite a pivotal character was Cameron, and I thought he would go on to survive at least until the third 
film in the trilogy, I thought it would be beat up and done in and would have the the time break in between and he would then come back and, and be revitalised by the time we got to end. So I, I, when it happened, it's, it's teased as if he's going to walk on by and leave him be. Yeah, and then he doesn't. <laughs> and then he doesn't. And then he just snaps into this brutality and he's like, oh yeah, I'm coming for you, but before I do, watch this. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's rough. It, it's rough, but it's just it's just so well done. Is that Michael says nothing, and throughout most of the, the franchise, I get nothing from him, and he's designed like that. And that's the whole point: is he's emotionless, and that's the only one second where you get something from him, where he kind of you see through those black dead eyes. He goes, ah, "Fuck you," and it's yeah. so good, so so good. Um, before we give you a tally up of the scores, let's um, let's find out what you think of these franchises in this week's three word review. We wanted them, you delivered them. It's this week's three word reviews from the listeners. So let's start this off with some Halloween three-word reviews. And I'm going to kick this off with an audio three-word review. First ever audio three-word review we've ever had. We've never had someone ring in a, a three-word review before. Um, so this came from a new listener to the show who started listening today. Um, and this is Halloween Harley, who's on Instagram. And this is the three-word review that we got. Okay, I can review the Halloween that franchise in three words only. Uh, and, and this being a direct greatest franchise ever. I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> uh, and if you could hear, that was me talking in the background as she was listening to our podcast, why she was giving a three word review, which is incredibly meta for this show. So you just listen to our podcast on the hard podcast, why someone gives a three word review for our podcast. Already, I'm confused. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, right, more Halloween ones. We've got Jim's Retro Emporium. Overrated, unoriginal tire sim. Oh, Jim. Uh, Jim, come on. F- oh, come on. And this guy <laughs> messages me in my personal DMs like he's my friend. <laughs> uh, J- Jim is a huge Nightmare fan, and he's 100% out to slay Mark. But that was that chuckled me so much, it had to go in. Uh, we've got Christian Barrett, 16. Absolute fucking masterpiece. Um, yes. And he, he's a horror fan. Uh, we've got Not Worth Knowing At All, the original slasher, and they're a mean page. And then we've got the co-host of True Crime, uh, Heather Silman, Wednesday Wine and Horror. Does evil die? Evil never dies, Heather. Evil never dies. D- don't we know it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> a nightmare on Elm Street now. We've got tracing out tracing owls, and I wanted to balance this out, so I give myself one of the bad ones as well. Ready? Before, before we do, before I interrupt, I'm really sorry. I'm glad to interrupt you. I, we talk about how I wear my way through the Nightmare franchise. I watched Nightmare the other day, and when they pull Heather Langning Camp into the studio production company, and they're interviewing her to say, "Look, we're going to do this new film," and she's like, "I thought Freddie was dead," and the producer turns to her and he says. Evil never dies. Honestly, mate, I nearly rolled around on my floor laughing my ass off. <laughs> did you catch that on your latest rewatch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. And I... <laughs> ah, it's good. <laughs> um, so my bad three-word review comes from Tracing Owls, who's a podcaster on Instagram. Pedophile child murderer. Is he, though? Is he a pedophile child murderer? 
It's because he's in, never really said until the remake, is it? It's insinuated, heavily insinuated in some of the movies, but never outright said. And that was a choice by Wes that he never wanted to outright say it. Um, I got that and I kind of went oh, a bit harsh, but it, it can go in. Uh, we've got Zebel Brox, which is Zaphod from Spaceman and the Doll podcast, 80s style icon. And we've got Matt Thorpe, 619, Nightmares for Days. And he's a model maker and painter and incredibly talented. Um, and then finally, we've got Pretty Killer Podcast, Best One-Liners. Um, and they're a new podcast, and their podcast is awesome. Um, if you go to episode two, I appear on that podcast because it's fucking awesome. I disagree that all of Freddie's one-liners are, are legendary. So Some of them are, are bad. Um, and I've got better one-liners than Freddie. I can say things like, it's time to break a spirit. Which Don't do it, man. No, which which blatantly in my notes were Mr. Tazzy was going to be here. However, now he's not. I'm just going to roll with it. So, no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do <laughs> I it. thought you were going to go with it, man. I thought you were going to do it to me again. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone could have seen Mark's face then Mark had the look of, I will find you and I will kill you. <laughs> that was I that. thought you were going to say, since he's not here, it's your turn to take the shot. I will quit. No, honestly, that's the most pleasure I've had from this show since you've been on Nick's co-host. That was amazing. Your face was just a, no, he's not. No, not again. No, no more. I can't take any more. <laughs> uh, we're not going to do that. We're, we're Instead, we're going to go into facts. It's time to find out what you know about this movie and what we know. It's Facts. So facts this week are split. Uh, me and Mark have both brought facts with us. Um, I've got some Nightmare on Elm Street ones and Mark's got some Halloween ones. And I'm quietly confident that neither of us used anything to get these. These just come from our knowledge of our respective franchises. So mine is, where do I start? You say this, <laughs> these haven't come from anywhere. We come up with these ourselves. One moment while I load Google. <laughs> yeah, one moment while I load my, <laughs> load my notes. <laughs> Uh, any guesses on what Robert England's favourite movie in the franchise is? Uh, I, I would have said, oh, which one looks like the most fun for him to be involved in? I'm going to say a New Nightmare, where he gets to play himself a lot less in makeup. No, it wasn't. It was Dream Master. Dream Master. Mm, Nightmare uh, 4. Um, he said that that's the most fun. He's also said that that is the one that had the most potential to do more than it did. And he's also said that 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 movie is the premise that he would love to see a reboot or a remake take and work with. Someone who is equally as powerful as Freddy and have the two, the clash of the titans. You say that, though, but there's a whole Karate Kid scene within that film where they've got the floating glove. The whole reason that floating glove didn't have Freddy attached to it was because he didn't want to come in for the money that they were offering him. So he can't have been that much of a big fan of that film. Otherwise, he'd have done that scene for free. Uh, This is true, but he did love it. (laughs) Uh, Freddy's Dead is the only movie in the franchise that does not include the skipping rope and the girls singing the Freddy rhyme. I actually noticed that. I did notice that. Uh, and it was deliberately left out because they didn't. They wanted Freddy's Dead to be something different, and yeah, they definitely I, achieved that, <laughs> didn't they? Just <laughs> uh, my final fact is actually two of Wes Craven's biggest regrets of the franchise, and I wanted to highlight these because I think his two biggest regrets that he 
he gave us before he died in an interview he he spoke about things that he wished he'd done and i think his two biggest regrets are not shouldn't be regrets i really don't think they should be so the first one is that he wanted johnny depp to cameo in new nightmare um but he never asked him um i, I think he was worried about how much it would cost or sort of the actual thing of going and asking johnny depp will you do a cameo um, so never asked him. He met him about six months later and he mentioned it in passing. Johnny Depp said not only would he have done it because it started his career, but he would have done it for free. Johnny Depp's a fucking man. Yeah, and he just. Yeah, too right, man. I, he... I wish nothing but good things upon that guy's soul for the rest of his life. Yeah, and he's cameoed in loads of stuff as well that he didn't charge a lot for. So 21 Jump Street, he cameoed in that. That was cool as well. And I didn't notice it was him until they pulled the rubber nose off like at the end. Yeah, exactly. Spoiler alert, sorry. <laughs> yeah, if you've not seen that, Mark's just ruined it. Um, the other the other one that is one of his biggest regrets is he the, the design you get for Freddy in New Nightmare is how Freddy was originally designed. And that's what he wanted Freddy to look like all the way through. And his regret is that he didn't follow it through, that he didn't make Freddy look like that genie all the way through. And I don't think that should be a regret. I think that that how it panned out with that as in New Nightmare, where you've made him this completely different entity and changing his appearance works better than if he looked the same all the way through. I love him in New Nightmare. He is my favourite iteration of Freddy. He looks so fucking cool, so intimidating. The boots, the coat, the highlighted aspects of the green and red, even switching his fedora from a red from a standard brown to green. Everything about that whole contrasting look that he has just is amplified tenfold in that film. He's he is by far the coolest in New Nightmare than he has been across the entire franchise for me. Yeah, he he is incredibly cool in it, but I I like the other Freddy. I like the the toned down, just burnt Freddy. I I, I think it's because New Nightmare comes so much later. I found New Nightmare quite jarring. It's like, why the fuck does he look different? What, what what's going on? What, why is he not? Why is he not Freddy? And that bugged me first time watching. Doesn't yeah, see, I, pay, I paid close attention to it. And again, I feel like we've undercut everything by saying that it's not part of the original storyline. For me, this is part of the original storyline. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as I said, that that's how I viewed it when I watched it. Um, what facts have you got for us? Uh, I've tried to be a little bit different. I mean, there's a lot of facts floating about the air for the Halloween franchise. Most people know the standard stuff that comes with it. So I've tried my best to pick stuff that I feel like people wouldn't necessarily know. Um, my first one is that Jamie Lee Curtis was actually in Halloween 3 season of The Witch. Don't get me wrong, she wasn't on screen at all within that film, but she no, was cameoed. I know that know? one. I'm telling people that I'm trying to do this <laughs> that people don't know. Just act surprised. Oh, wow. Edit this, out. Edit this out. Edit this okay. out. Sound like you didn't know. Okay. Well, wow. You're not going to edit this out, are you? No. Wow. Was she really there? <laughs> yes, she was, Scott. She was, in fact, in Halloween 3. She was, she was the telephone operator as well as also the person who announces the town curfew. So although she's not on screen, vocally, Jamie Lee Curtis is in Halloween 3. Um which is cool, something I didn't know up until recently. Um, my second one is about Daniel Harris's involvement in Halloween 6. Um, it was quite widely known that they didn't provide her with the salary that she required to be in that film. And the reason for that is because she was only 17 years old. And 
being 17 and working on a film production, you have rules and laws that you have to abide by in certain time frames that they're allowed to record in and then they have to shut down production and stuff due to her age. So what she did was she emancipated herself from her parents. Emancipate is something I don't understand. So I'm assuming this is like you divorce your parents' yeah. rights to be able to tell you what to do. Yeah. Like a whole Macaulay Colin. Colgate yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, that's it. So she, she, she basically emancipated herself from her parents throughout the, the the negotiation process and talks throughout this film, only for her to reach the final talking stage for them to only offer a thousand pounds or a thousand American dollars to come back for Halloween Six. And it turns out that the emancipation process cost her a lot more than a thousand pounds to do it. So she'd already paid for all this emancipation process to be able to be in case only for them to offer a thousand pound and I'd be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Wow. Um, and that is the reason why she never returned to that film. Wow. So not only did they not give her the money she needed, they didn't produce a script that was worthy of her doing either. I feel like she would have had a much bigger role in that film, given that Danielle Harris had been cast. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think so. Um, so, but, but that so that's trash. the reason why she didn't re- that film yeah even no matter which variation of it you watch whether it's theatrical <laughs> or producers it is fucking dire um, so yeah so that is the reason why Daniel Harris didn't return to that film and my final one which is going to be a nightmare and a Halloween crossover is the fact that Freddy Krueger actually worked on the original Halloween film um, Robert England was sharing a flat room share with a guy who worked on the Halloween set, who roped him in one day to come in and help out on set. And Mr. Robert England himself was part of the crew that unfolded the fake leaves on set to make it look like autumn. Yeah, and I've seen Robert England interviewed where he said that's one of the most fun sets he's ever been on. Yeah, which is cool, which is cool. So Mr. Freddy Krueger, not on screen, but was part of the Halloween production in 1978, which is awesome. So before we tally the scores and tell everyone where we are, um, let's do our scores for the franchise as a whole. And again, we're gonna this time we're not we're gonna score both. So we're gonna score our own franchise and we're gonna score the other person's franchise. So I'm gonna kick this off straight away. A Nightmare on Elm Street. As much as I would love to give it a ten, I can't give it a ten. It doesn't deserve a ten. There are movies in there that that, that scrape sixes for me. And I can't then go and score the overall thing a 10. So A Nightmare on Elm Street for me gets a 9. And when we get on to Halloween, again, there's movies in there that don't warrant... <laughs> there's some movies in there that don't warrant a 2. But <laughs> in fact, one of the movies, <laughs> I, one, one of the movies I scored a 2. <laughs> um, I don't like it as much as I like A Nightmare on Elm Street. And for that reason only, it gets an 8 out of 10. Very generous. So how would you score the 2? Uh, so starting off with my bread and butter, I'm going to roll with Halloween first. It's going to be a very difficult one for me to overall score because I people know that I love this. I love this. This is my go-to. I, if ever I'm just sat there, I'm like, I need to watch a film and I don't want to scroll anything. I will pick a random number within this franchise and I enjoy watching it regardless. Um, that does include Halloween 5 and Resurrections. I can still sit there and tolerate them and have a good time watching them based on the characters and involvements in them alone. Um, if I was being personal, I would score this a 10. I love it. It's, it. it's a diehard for me, but from a critical standpoint, it's got more downs than ups along the way, I think. And as a whole, I'm going to score it an 8. That's what you scored. You scored your own an 8. 
I'm scoring my own an eight. I don't want to oh. lose any credibility. And I feel like going anything higher than that. It is not because there isn't films in there that do warrant a 10. There is multiple, multiple oh, films yeah. within this franchise, if not more than not. But yeah. there is more duds to take into consideration to warrant a, a genuine average that I feel like I would be lying to give it a nine. I if, mean, you, you say, if, if you scored Halloween an eight, I dread to think what Nightmare's going to get. <laughs> <laughs> no, Halloween's an eight, and that's based on the bumps along the way, such as Resurrection, five still and six. It. Still love that film. Mm, you're a liar. No, five, no. six, and, and three, even though I've grown to love three over time as its own individual entity, um... Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with an eight, and that's me trying to be fair. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, <clears throat> again, again, one, two, even three. Even though I think it's, the, I think it's the start of its downfall. And I, I don't feel the love for that film that a lot of people do. I get it, I get it, but I feel like a lot of it is based on nostalgia. Um, I feel like that is where this starts to see the ripple effect that will go on to affect the rest of the franchise. So for me, one, two. And New Nightmare is the pinnacle of this series. I even like the remake. I'm I'm going to say this now. I actually really like the remake. And if we're going to throw Freddy versus Jason in the mix as well, I I walked away from that a lot more pleasantly surprised than I did by some of the later installments. But I think Alice as a character crucifies this franchise. <laughs> I hate her. I hate her more than I hate anything. She not only is a terrible actress, but she is she poisoned what could have been something far superior than any other horror franchise available. And in concept alone, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise is the best. And and I, I and I say that being a Halloween fan, the Nightmare on Elm Street is the best franchise there is. It's just been so poorly executed from part two onwards, I think. And I think it was so heavily influenced by things such as MTV and and, yeah. and the idolization of Freddy Krueger rather than him being they they just they 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 took it in a direction they shouldn't have done and if they'd have stuck more closely to the tone of one and two we wouldn't even be having this head to head right now because it would have been a hands down win for Nightmare on Elm Street all day long I want to score it on the same bread and butter as a Halloween as an eight but I think I would be lying to myself to do that I, I'm I'm going to score it I'm going to score it a six. And a half. No, we don't have half points. You scored it a six. I scored it a six. <laughs> wow. Okay. So the scores at the moment are Halloween has got 92 points. A Nightmare on Elm Street has got 89 points. That's pretty but close, man. It's really close. And we've got so we've got two things left to go. We've got the listeners input to this. And I'll get onto that in a minute. So the listeners are going to have the final say. This is you run podcast. Doesn't matter a fuck what me and Mark think. It matters what you think. So what's the fucking point in all this? Uh, it just, just, just makes a show. It's pointless <laughs> if I just go, listeners, which one's better? And they tell us. End of show. <laughs> End of episode. Um, but before we do that, we're going to do something else. So I'm going to pick three Halloween movies for Mark to score. And Mark's going to pick three Nightmare on Elm Street movies for me to score. So, Mark, your first movie, and th- these are going to be rapid fire, so we're going to fire through these. Uh, Halloween 3. 6. Halloween 6. 2. Halloween Resurrection. 1. I see what you've done there. <laughs> Clever that. I will drag your score down. 
<laughs> what three are you going with for me? Okay, okay. Uh, so we are going to kick this off with Dream Child. Three. It's a lot harder when there's less movies to pick from. There is, yeah. I've got to be very calculated with what I do here because yours is a lot more solid than mine. Freddy's dead. It's a seven. Ooh, really? Yeah, I, I like Freddy's Dead. The ending of Freddy's Dead, I love. I know you hate it, but I absolutely love the ending of that. I like Freddy's Dead as well. I just didn't expect you to. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite franchise. Of course I like it. Uh, oh, God, I've got nowhere else to go but Dream Master, I suppose. That's the only dud within the rest of them, isn't it? And that, unfortunately, view is an eight as well. Motherfucker, no way is that an eight. Who are you I, kidding? I, I love that. I, I, I really like the franchise. What can I say? We've got less movies for there to be less duds. Effective. I have literally picked the three worst of that franchise as well. You've got five, four, five, and six. Yeah. Whereas and you're scoring them an eight as on average. Yeah. Um, whereas, I'm not being funny, you had some real duds in there. <laughs> I was trying to be fair as well. I feel like you've lied to the listeners. Uh, no, I haven't. They're genuine scores. If we get those as individual episodes, those will be the scores I give because I'll go back. I would and hold you to that. I'll <laughs> go back and listen just to make sure. Um, so the scores now are before we get into the listeners. Uh, Halloween is on a hundred and one points, and A Nightmare on Elm Street has stormed into the lead on a hundred and seven. Oh, what a coincidence! <laughs> uh, <laughs> as I said, that it doesn't matter what you and me think. It's all about the listeners. So. We're going to do sound off where the listeners get to say what they think. And then we're going to add in the additional points they've earned from polls and where I flat out ask people, I've gone, which do you prefer? And I've then everyone who said Halloween, I've awarded points. And everyone who said Nightmare on Elm Street, I've awarded points. Um, but we're going to start with sound off, first of all. Murder victims show evidence of having been partially devoured by their murderers. Let's do your thoughts. Sound off. So, sound off this week, I went to everywhere. I went to Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, the whole world. Um, TikTok come through like never before. As soon as I said A Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween, they just just appeared from everywhere absolutely everywhere so the first audio message we've got this comes from mr robbins the librarian the correct answer to your question is friday the 13th but seriously of the two halloween is the better um because it uh maintained its serious tone longer it took a while for it to devolve into silliness Whereas uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, you started seeing hints of Freddy Krueger as the jokester, the trickster, the you know uh, comedic villain. And it just accelerated with each film after that up through to 6-1, and then things got dark and serious again with New Nightmare. But, um, you know, Halloween um, maintained an even tone. And also, too, the Halloween series... Choose your own adventure. There's like four timelines. Pick the one you like best. That's a solid point. Yeah, very, very solid point. Uh, we've got Largo. Um, tough one, but as a collective, I choose Halloween. The later Nightmare movies got too campy for me. 
So this is all, all coming up. Trump's for you. Uh, we've got Michelle McKenzie, 396. Uh, for me, it's Nightmare on Elm Street. My favourite line is no one will sleep. Uh, we've got another audio message. Uh, this one comes from the last Roundup Horror Show. It's Nightmare on Elm Street, without a doubt. Uh, Michael Myers is like the vanilla of horror. Um, as far as slashers go, there's nothing really interesting going on with that. Uh, my favorite slashers always have weird elements like Berserker, where is it a bear? Is it a Viking? Who fucking knows? Um, Freddy is a his own thing, man. He, he has rules, but way less rules than Michael Myers. And just the simple element of him being able to control dreams adds so much to the mix. If Michael Myers is vanilla, Freddy Krueger is like Rocky Road. So everybody's got different tastes. You know, some people love vanilla. Some people only like vanilla. What do you like? You know, it's up to you. Art is subjective. Fuck that guy, man. Fuck him. Who's you telling vanilla? So is your favorite flavor vanilla? No, no. It's not. But to tell me that my villain is vanilla, who is this guy? <laughs> who is this dude? Oh. Listen, right. And he's talking about how 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 Fred, the Nightmare franchise has... Freddy's um, Rocky Road. Freddy's not Rocky Road. That guy's a fucking scribble on a bit of paper. His lore is so mixed up and all over the place. There's no consistency to him. His rules <laughs> change throughout each individual film. At least my guy's got fucking consistency. Might be vanilla, but at least he follows a set of rules that work from film to film. Freddy just makes up whatever he wants to do, bearing his rules on each individual film. One minute he's taking him out in the sleep, the next minute he's taking him out just in broad daylight. Fuck Freddy. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little bit wound up then. I'm calmed down now. <laughs> uh, last horror, horror roundup show. Thank you so much because that's just made my day because it riled Mark so much. <laughs> uh, we've got. <laughs> uh, we've got the uh, the Millahim. Oh, I've lost it. <laughs> uh, we've got Rebecca, who started on the beginning of the show, the Millahimares crew. Uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street consistently has better movie. Halloween has some good ones, but it's got nothing on Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, Pretty Killer Podcast. To be honest, my personal choice for is Halloween. For me, it's better because Michael Myers' ominous present, ominous presence in one and two. Uh, Lumberjay the Hair Gay, the first kill from A Nightmare on Elm Street is iconic. I feel both are equal, to be honest. Both franchises have good films and shit films. Uh, we're going to end with a, another audio message, and this comes from CreaturePod, who's a podcaster um, and also going to be a guest in next season. Um, so this is from CreaturePod, also known as Chunky Larry. <laughs> No, but seriously, uh, go listen to You Run Podcast. Uh, Scott is one of my favorite people, and he's a Nightmare fan, because that's what it's all about. Um, you want in, You want me in on that that fight? Oh, oh, daddy! <laughs> so I, I think that's a firm vote there for a Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, I don't know. I know Chuck Larry from TikTok. He he's a Halloween fan. He is, but he prefers Nightmare on Elm Street because he, as he said, that's where it's at. I think he just likes you more than he likes the conflict. <laughs> I'm a likable guy. What can I say? No, you're not. You have your problems, man. <laughs> I, I do. They are long and illustrious, the list of problems that I have. <laughs> um, so taking everything into account, there are extra points that I'm going to award. So 
I put out basic questions. And like that thing there, I started that video with, which is better, A Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween? And for everyone who's commented, I've awarded points. So I'm going to award Halloween an extra 140 points for the, Ooh, people, promising. for the people who said, yes, I love it. Yes, I prefer it to A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, there was also a poll that I run on Twitter, um, which Halloween got 48% of the votes as being the better of the two franchises. Um, so I'm going to award it another 48 points, which brings its total score to, bear, bear with, bear with me, please, while I tally this up. <laughs> There's people now going, this guy's thick as fuck. It's that much. Um, that brings the final score for Halloween to 289 points. At the moment, A Nightmare on Elm Street sits on 107. Drum roll, please. Uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street got awarded an extra 90 points for the people who said they preferred it. So we'll add that onto there. It makes it 197. And then it got a further 52 points. What, on a technicality? <laughs> uh, no, for the. <laughs> no, it got that for the majority of the poll on Twitter that the twi Twitter loved the Nightmare on Elm Street more. Uh, which gives A Nightmare on Elm Street 249 points, which means the winner of our first ever franchise head-to-head -head, by a margin of 40 points exactly is Halloween. Dun, dun, dun. Fuck you, man. <laughs> in fairness, in fairness, as much as I love to embrace in the glory, I, I feel... It would be wrong of me to to gloat on it because they are both incredible, incredible franchises and equally deserving of first place. Um, I think it all comes down to preference. I think it really, really does fall on preference. You, There is no way of being able to say one between the other is better. Had we have had this conversation with something like Candyman and then Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street and Child's Play franchise, you would have a clear-cut winner. Yeah. But I think, I think you're always going to struggle not just between these two, but between the big three, which is Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Halloween. Those are the three that you could debate for days, weeks, months, and years on which one would reign superior. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty so as sure... Much as I enjoy the glory. I do enjoy the glory, but I think it's going to be very difficult to, to pinpoint an overall winner. Yeah, and I, I think if we were to do... If we were to do this episode again next month and put exactly the same polls out and exactly the same videos that we've done on our social media, we could get a different result. Yeah. This is it. It all depends on who it reaches. And I have to say, you've been very gentlemanly because had I won this, I would still be jumping up and down going, I fucking beat you. <laughs> <laughs> no, and like I said, the whole reason behind my ungloating is just due to my enjoyment I've had in preparation for this episode. As I say, I've, I've been slowly working my way through this franchise and as far as before this episode was announced, I think I'd only just hit Dream Warriors and I've had to tackle another four or five films on the build-up in preparation and, I, and I've really enjoyed working my way through them. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's, some of them have been a slog, but overall, I think it's it's a very enjoyable and very consistent franchise. Yeah, and to be fair, Halloween's had a, a decent win and Halloween is a a good franchise it's got some howlers in there but on the whole as a franchise it is solid what, what else yeah. can i say it's, it's yeah. they're, they're, but they're both great franchises um 
next week i'm not here well technically i'm not here now so if you're listening to this the day it's released i am currently sat on a beach with a beer unlucky um so yeah I'm, some. <laughs> I, I, I'm not here next week so i don't really care what happens but no, i'm kidding uh mark what was happening next week because i have no idea yeah me and you both my friend um next week i will be here i don't know what i'm doing or where i'm going but you will be able to find out either on my socials or scotch socials we have picked the film we are doing sleepaway camp which is actually a listener request it is a listener request request. uh pretty killer podcast requested it is it's the first of our requested episodes slash chosen episodes for the start of season six i will be here without scott and i will be joined by a guest um who that will be will remain unnamed until the build-up to the episode but it's going to be fun it's going to be fun um i will do my best to try and fulfill the content and quality of the show throughout so bear with but it it will be fun regardless oh Um, mate i i done thespian and lesbian jokes today i think you'll i think you've got this I think we're going to have a couple of highbrow episodes in your absence. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So join in next week where we will still be here just without the immaturity of Scott. It's going to be great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I, I will be back at some point. I, I have got a couple of weeks off now. So I'm currently away while this is out. I'm not here for the next episode and I'm not here for the episode after. And I want to say a huge thank you to Mark for everything he's done this season and for allowing us to continue into season six without taking a break, which normally we'd take a couple of weeks break now, which is, I'll be honest, is when I disappear on holiday and I don't do anything. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, we haven't got there yet. This might be a complete shit show when you return. <laughs> well, well, whatever happens, happens. You just do it, we release it and see what what's the worst that can happen. We lose all our listeners and we, we don't have a show anymore. No, pr- <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah, Find out to see if I fuck it or not. No, you, you won't. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you so much for all your support this season. Um, in season six, obviously, Mark's doing the first two episodes. When I get back, there are going to be some big changes to the show. We're going to have a new game. We're going to change the format around a little bit. We've got some new music. We've got new guests. There's There's a lot that's going on. There's new ways you can get involved in the show, like sending me an email. I've got a new email address just for all of you to to badger me. Um, things are changing. It's going to be really, really good. I can't wait to be back. I'm I'm going to say I'm enjoying my holiday now. I'm enjoying my holiday right now. Um, I'll be back soon. Mark will be back next week. And thank you very much for listening. Cheers, guys. And I will see you next week. You want to die tonight? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the You Run Podcast. Don't forget, to get involved in the show, all you need to do is head to our website, yourunpodcast.com. This is not our show. This is your show.